I couldn't do it anymore. I just couldn't do one more day sitting at my computer, gnawing at little pixels in Photoshop. Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help consultants, coaches, entrepreneurs, and small business owners build their businesses after long careers as employees. We believe you should be able to do more of what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner-Khan. Today on Smashing the Plateau, I'm speaking with public speaking coaches, Shelley Goldstein and Mark Bossert. In today's episode, you will learn how to unlock your inner voice to be seen, speak with intention, and make meaningful connections anywhere, anytime, about anything. Stay with us to hear all the details. How do you feel about where your business is today? Most of us do our best work in collaborative, supportive environments. Come explore ours. The Smashing the Plateau community can help you build your business through engaging discussions, live events, a private communication platform, accountability partners, and lots more. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Shelley Goldstein and Mark Bossert. As international speaking coaches and founders of Remarkable Speaking, Shelley and Mark have trained thousands of people in over 40 countries from just about every industry on how to become confident and compelling speakers. Shelley and Mark, welcome to the show. Good to be here. Thanks. Thanks so much for having us. So how did you guys learn to be good storytellers? And um, go ahead, Shelley, why don't you go first? Well, Mark is an amazing storyteller. I've learned a lot from him, but uh, we met in a public speaking course that changed my life and I know Mark's life and just learning to share a moment, learning not to summarize was really pivotal for me. And I'm not kidding. Mark is a brilliant storyteller and watching him express some really specific moments in his life started me thinking that getting there is really how we connect with people. And and what was that story? Mark told a story about him and his son, very painful story about the journey of addiction and what they struggled to go through. And that was incredibly vulnerable and revealing. And what's interesting is in analyzing that I don't think less of the man, I think more of the man, and it's quite brave. And that inspired me to be able to do that for others. And Mark, why don't you share how do you think you became uh, or you learned to become a good storyteller? I didn't know this was happening at the time, but what I've learned from coaching other folks is we have this almost addiction to setting the scene, building a world prior to telling the darn story. And once I got that, I tried it and it was like, wow, we were playing games impromptu where we had to tell a story in a short period of time. And it was just like something clicked in my brain where I was able to do it in a way that I'd never been able. And I knew, well, you got a minute, you got to dive in right now. You can't be setting this thing up. And I totally lost myself. I didn't even know what I'd said when I told the story. And everyone's kind of wide-eyed and kind of, wow, that was amazing. 
Where did that come from? And I had no idea. But that ability to just dive into the end of the story, it takes practice. I'm not perfect at it by any means, but it takes a lot of practice, repetition. It's a skill that goes away without practicing, actually, is what I found. And when you do it on a regular basis, it's kind of like if you, you're a tennis player and you haven't played tennis for a few years, your serve is not going to be the same as it was when you were practicing every day. It's sort of in that realm. And that's what we've seen. I learned that after the fact, basically, that you know it was maybe happenstance or I just tapped into something inside of me in the moment. But then to make it repeatable, to be able to do it at a networking event, say, or uh, talking with employees and motivating them or, 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 or whatever it is, that takes practice in order to be able to bring that story up and really feel it so that the audience feels it. Could one of you give an example of setting the stage versus just telling the story? Yeah, I'll give something. So it started maybe uh, way back about 10 years ago when I was first changing a career from design into marketing, it was a, you know, there was, it was a big office, big city. So I'm building in all these facts, right? You see me building that in there and I'm setting the stage where I was, what I was doing, maybe how long ago it was. The counter to that would be, I couldn't do it anymore. I just couldn't do one more day sitting at my computer gnawing at little pixels in Photoshop. And I changed my thinking. So you see the difference in those two approaches? Yeah, the second approach where you're just telling the story is much more emotional. And you're getting the same idea, perhaps, that something's not right with what I'm doing. And there's, you know, I'm looking for a change without telling you, I'm going to set up for a change. And, you know, here I am. And this is what I was doing. Details are important. But as Mark mentioned, getting to the end of the story first and just jumping right in like any great movie song or poem we we leave it to the audience to fill in the details and we do so we could save a lot of time and as you pointed out david it's emotional we connect right away it's now interesting i'm not filling your head with you know superficial details or facts that are kind of uninteresting it's respectful of the audience to get to the point to jump in at the end. It actually gives them autonomy. Yeah, you know, it's great storytelling, it's entertaining, it's all these other things as well. But honestly, the deep value for me is that it's very respectful of who I'm speaking to. And even more than that, if I'm really deeply honest, is it's way more interesting to me. And ultimately, it has to be interesting to me I have to enjoy the story first in order to convey that to my audience. If I'm bored with it, if I'm building this world that takes half an hour to explain the setup of everything, and then I did this, and then I did that, and then it, and we've all heard that, it kind of doesn't work very well. Well, let's dive in. You know, every James Bond movie starts with... <laughs> <laughs> that you're blown away by what's going on. What, what do you like better? I like the roller coaster myself. Yeah. Can it be too fast? 
Maybe. I don't know. I haven't really, um, maybe if you don't put enough detail in it, when you can slow the, it's about reliving your memories at first. This is the easy way to start with it before you start crafting and getting into all the other levels of storytelling that you can get to. When you're just reliving a memory, something that you've done, that you're an expert in because you were there, then the details are what take you back into that moment, that flesh it out, that bring the emotion to it. When you think about the color of the room, the smell, the chair you were sitting in, these little things, that can seem like it's describing too much. And yet that detail, slowing it, that going into slow motion before you get to the punchline, really ups the ante of emotion for you as the teller and then for the audience as well. And then the little twist, hopefully, at the, the moment of high drama in your story, the thing you learned, the takeaway, the, the point you want to make to your team to motivate them or inspire them, those are the things that are really important. And if, David, I might add to that, Everything we do, what Mark and I believe we do when, we, when we're all presenting, interviewing, networking, however we're showing up to speak, the goal is a conversation. Even when you're on the podium, you want to engage with people. You don't want to be talking at people. So the idea of too much information or too fast or not enough, you're leaving people, if they're engaged... They want more. And that's a conversation, the follow-up. Tell me more. Part two. This episode is so enthralling. We've got to have a part two to continue this conversation. Or especially if you're in business, negotiating or in sales, you want that follow-up call. And this is a great way to do it by bringing somebody into a story and not always with a cliffhanger, but somebody saying, that's incredible. Here's my experience. Let's keep adding to it. So there's a back and forth dialogue. For someone who's a corporate refugee going into their own consulting or coaching business, where can storytelling be most effective for them? Exactly kind of the things we're going on here. It's you're going into a new situation and you don't want to discount your past just because it might be different. Different is where we innovate. Different is where we get creative. So that experience is very much who you are. So bringing that forward and sharing that, it's credibility. It's life's experiences. It's education. It's something different. That's a really interesting question you asked, David, because I don't know if there's anywhere where it's not applicable (laughs) in reality. Introducing yourself, promoting yourself, selling to others, influencing, et cetera, et cetera. All these things work better with a story because that's how humans are wired. That's how it works. So if you're coming out of corporate and you either don't have any training in storytelling or you're just not that good at it, where do you start? Call Mark and Shelley. Got to give me a little more than that. A few tips. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of course. Practice. You need to have the creative constraint of saying, okay, I have a story 
And then you record yourself, whether that's an audio, whether that's a video, and away you go. Tell that story. Give yourself five minutes to tell the story. And then, okay, well, what's the two-minute version? Because now you're going to start cutting out all that context development and all that other stuff, and you're going to get to the what's the really important thing. One of the things that we've been taught and that we have embraced pretty fully is there's every story has really one point. There's one important thing. Kind of forget the Billy Crystal movie that was all about the one thing. City slickers. Yeah, city slickers. So the one thing is everything. But how do you get there? And how do you get there when it's extemporaneous? That's a big question people have. Well, it takes a little bit of practice and being able to go from that five minutes to one minute or even 30 seconds and make the same story, the short version, the really punchy, clear, ah, uh, here's the nugget inside of that story. It does take repetition, but not as much as people think. And you get the idea pretty quickly if you record and watch yourself whether it's audio or video, and you go back and go, oh, I could have done that. I could have done that. And now you're starting to reinforce it. And that's called learning. <laughs> Mark, what's a story that you use about yourself? Uh, one of the ones that I, well, let's jump in. <laughs> I walk outside. It's dark. It's so dark that it's almost palpable. It's so, th it's like a thickness in the air. I look up at the stars are so bright it's minus at least 25 with the wind chill. Really cold. I got every piece of clothing on me. And we start to walk across the plain. And I'm all I can see in front of me is the Sherpa from my headlamp, the back of his heels as we're walking across the plain. And suddenly up this little bump, but at 18,000 feet, it's freaking hard. I feel it in every pump of my heart, in every breath. It's ragged. Oh, back and forth, we zigzag up this little bump. And I start seeing literally stars. I've reached my limit. 18,500 feet, that's it. I sit down. I look over at Everest. The sun's coming up. And that's the culmination of my trip to Everest Base Camp. And uh, how about one for you, Shelley? You, you started talking a little bit about your career pivot, whether you want to continue with that one or you have another one. What's one you'd like to share? Well, I was crossing Midtown Manhattan at lunchtime, so it was very busy during a busy week, work week, and everybody was dressed in suits and ties, and of course I was dressed because at that time I was in the fashion business. But only a few years before that, I was in a different sort of designing of clothing. And walking across 7th Avenue with my associates comes a clown in full regalia with the nose, the shoes, the orange wig, yelling at the top of his lungs, Shelly, good to see you, good to see you. <laughs> I used to work for Ringling Brothers, Barnum & Bailey Circus as a costume designer, and I am on a first name basis with a lot of clowns, even a few of them to this day. But at that time, transferring into that industry was humiliating. 
And I shame, I had shame in that moment because it felt freakish. It took me a long time and a lot of practicing with my storytelling to embrace that as part of who I am, part of my career journey from communications, whether I designed clothing uh, for characters and developed identities that way or through marketing or graphics, through a visual and words to communications, actually speaking the word. And I tell that story with a lot of pride these days. I love it. I'd like to shift gears for a little bit and talk about your experiences in community in a business setting and how that may relate to some of the things that we have discussed up until now. Well, I know there's a big shift in the workplace. We're hearing a lot of conversations in the last two or three years about hybrid work environments, online, offline, and also a big conversation about intergenerations. Now, if 2020 did, 2020 did a lot of things. If it did one thing that stands out to me is it was a time where we were all equal. Nobody knew what the answers were. And everybody was looking to every generation, every being for an answer for hope. That story, those discussions, those ideas are so pivotal today to the future workplace that we're seeing now change. It's not just this is the way it is. It's shifting. And every generation has a common idea that no one understands what I went through. Every generation can agree on that. So when we sit down and share stories about our journey as a learning tool and then ask others about theirs, a younger person has less experience, but they have a whole different experience, period, and a different skill set in a different world they grew up in with technology compared to older generations. What can we learn from each other? When we open up that discussion and we share our stories across generations, across different different platforms of online, offline, and just build that community of we're all in this together. What can we learn how we could move forward? Our work in helping people express those stories to learn to advance the workplace is about building a community and a culture that takes everybody's ideas into account, not just follow the leader or listen to me. What do you have to say? What do you have to add? Interesting. We may not use that idea, but thanks for sharing. Take us anywhere. I think Shelley might have mentioned this. Leaders at all levels, that conversation that needs to happen, that I've read so many things of people being laid off by tweet recently. It's like the absolute opposite of of actually caring about your staff. And I have to wonder what happens in the long run with those folks. I know what that would do for me. I know that's why I have my own businesses. (laughs) I'm not going to work for anybody else anymore. Because if I'm in charge, at least I know I care about me (laughs) and I care about my staff. Do the people who've been laid off from one of the big companies that have been dumping, you know, hundreds of thousands of people suddenly by tweet, 
how are they going to respond in the future when those guys come back and say, hey, you know, you want to come back? Do you want to come and work for another big company again? I don't know. And so we've been hearing a lot of noise from people going, yeah, you know what? I'm doing my own thing now because they want to stand on their own. They want to connect with people. They want to be in business. They have aspirations. They want to be in a place where they're valued. And I think that co-opetition environment where we talk with each other and help each other while we're maybe competing, that is a, an advancement in the world that we're going to see. That's going to, that's something that I saw very clearly in Nepal, very, very poor nation, you know, but every five or 10 feet, it seemed like there was another store and another store and another store, a nation of shopkeepers. Maybe we're going back to where we came from rather than these huge edifices where we're responsible for ourselves more. And we need to be able to communicate with each other more, which the corporate environment hasn't really fostered. Is it savable? We want to try. On that note, Mark, what's your definition of community? Well, it's communing. It's talking to each other communicating. Those words are all similar for a reason in my heart, anyway, that 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 ability to know your neighbors, know what's going on. I have 80 year old neighbors across the road, I'll go out and help them shovel their driveway when because we get snow here in Canada etc etc. They are caring about us. Hey, what's happening with your dad? What's going on when we meet and we're walking our dogs? That community, that continues. It's being part of my, the little town I lived in, live in, you know, et cetera. Those, that literal ability to communicate to others. That just, I, I'll be honest, I'm a seriously hardcore introvert. I'd be happy in a cave by myself. Being able to reach out now to have that confidence, to be able to speak to others and listen, really listen for that piece that I care about this other human being. That's community to me. Shelly, what does community mean to you? It's the support that I kind of was getting at with the different generations and the different work environments. More so now, we feel that we're in our isolated silos and we don't have that water cooler discussion. So how do we keep a culture, a community of an organization together or of an industry together? And it's sharing the stories. It's noticing that somebody needs a hand because you're listening. You're listening and you're seeing that your team is struggling. How can you lend a hand? It's maybe all hands meetings starting with an icebreaker just to get everybody in a comfortable scenario. So we all feel like we belong. We all feel like we're heard. And that is probably the most important th part of community. It's a blending of all these ideas and concepts to move forward. Thank you. Well, this has been a fascinating discussion, not just about your own individual areas of expertise, but We've covered some other territory as well. If someone wants to go deeper with anything we've discussed or access resources you have or get in touch with you, where would be the best place for them to go? 
remarkablespeaking.com. Both Mark and I are on LinkedIn and Remarkable Speaking also has a YouTube channel where we have a lot of information, as you mentioned there, and you can contact us. Thank you. Mark, anything you want to add? That's where you find us. We're not big. <laughs> we're not any, we're not anywhere else. Those, those are LinkedIn, YouTube website. That's what we focus on. Shelly and Mark, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau. My guests have been public speaking coaches, Shelly Goldstein and Mark Bossard. Thank you, Shelly and Mark, for joining us. Thank you, David. Thanks, David. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. On today's episode with Shelly Goldstein and Mark Bossard, we learned how to unlock your inner voice to be seen, speak with intention, and make meaningful connections anywhere, anytime, about anything. How do you feel about where your business is today? Most of us do our best work in collaborative, supportive environments. Come explore ours. The Smashing the Plateau community can help you build your business through engaging discussions, live events, a private communication platform, accountability partners, and lots more. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com. I'm David Schreiner-Kahn. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.